Father, would you, would you speak into our lives about what we're building our lives on today? Father, this whole month, I want to think about the church and us. And I pray that you'll speak huge things into our lives. Amen. If you've got a Bible, turn to the book of Ephesians. It says huge things about us as church. And I've got my Casino Royale cards here. And um, one of the things that happens in England is if something isn't very good and it's kind of flimsy, you call it a house of cards. It's a house of cards because it can easily fall down. You know, when I was a boy, I attempted an acrobatic thing in the park. There was a drainage ditch. And uh, in fields nearby, there's a drainage ditch. And I was on this old bicycle. On the inside, was a, it was like a well with a grill on so that people couldn't fall all the way down. And on the outside, it was about a 15 feet drop. And I attempted to ride a bike around the edge of this drainage thing. And of course, when I pulled a wheelie and, you know, was saying how great I was, I fell off and broke my arm. Because it was not solid. I was attempting to build something, to attempt something that actually is not solid. When the Bible talks about our lives, and when the Bible talks about the church, it talks about us in hugely stable descriptions. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. I just want to read you something about what it says of us. We're going to read three passages today. And uh, I'll read the first one now. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 through 22. If you're here and you haven't got a Bible, then it might appear on the screen as well. But Ephesians 2 verses 19 through 22 says this. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of a household, his household. This isn't anybody's household, this is his. Built. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. But listen to this. This isn't just an organization Filled with teachers and prophets and charismatic people. It says, built on the foundation with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. You see, it's, it's more than a human organization. This is, this is something built not just on systems and staff. It's built on Jesus and what he's done. In him... The whole building, now here's another dimension, is joined together. 
We're not a fragmented group. We're not people outside of relationships. We're joined together. And it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. That's you. And in him, you two are being built together. Being built together. That's the church. It can't be a church if there's no togetherness. In fact, let me make an even stronger statement. Because look at the last sentence. In him you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. There's more than just a crowd vibe here. And amongst us, the Holy Spirit inhabits when we're together. It's hard Holy Spirit to inhabit our lives when we're not together. You know, when we talk about a house of cards, in England, basically what we're saying is that it means that something's not going to last, or it's not fit for purpose. You would never make a house out of cards. The pyramids have lasted And they have stayed for centuries. But did you know they are graves? They're basically tombs. Something that holds life and something that is used often has to be strong. It has to be built. Can I just just ask our Italian people here, what is the Tower of Pisa really about? It's leaning. I think it's going to fall down in my lifetime. You go, no, no, it's a national money. No, it's leaning. What is that about? Something that gives life, something that's strong, has to be filled with life. Have you ever had a situation in your life where you thought something would last? Maybe a job, a relationship, a, a direction in your life. And please, I don't want to be in, in any way a downer or inappropriate at all, but... People go through unexpected changes and some things collapse and, and we go through uncertainty. But I want to really ask you today, how much is your life a house of cards? What really are you founding it on? The hope of that career, and that's a good thing. We need careers and, and that's fine. And, but... Is your life one unexpected change away from collapse? Is is what you're trying to build very hard? What is your life built upon? I don't want to be inappropriate in any way, but how stable are you? How stable is your faith? How close are you to walking away from Jesus? How close are you to walking out of your marriage? How close are you to build your life on a house of cards? You see, when the Bible talks about the church, it uses terms like belonging and built and foundations and protection and direction. You see, this is what God wants for you as a person and a person in church. He wants to surround your life with, with support, 
with foundation, with strength, with everything that you need to be everything that you can be. Let's have a look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. If you've still got that, it says, Before Christ, we were foreigners. We were people with no rights. And I, I, one of my fondest memories in, in BCC is when, I don't know whether Mauricio and Deborah are here. I went to the Portuguese Life Speaking Ministry and, and uh, Ivan showed when they got their citizens' rights in, and their way to belong. And we were all crying because they got their rights. Wasn't that a great moment, uh, those of you were there? It was just a wonderful time. But you see, spiritually... You had no right. You had no belonging. But Jesus brought you into his family. You became a part of the church. And you've got the right to enter into God's presence. Before Christ, you were a stranger. You might be today here for the first time. And we hope that we've been wealthy enough not to make you feel like a stranger. But a, a stranger is somebody who's not known, not appreciated. We don't know your story. But before that, that's how you were. That's how the Bible describes you before you were a Christian, that you were a stranger. But now, you can be known, you can be used, uh, not in a bad way, you can, you can contribute, you can know and be known. You see, after Christ, we're fellow citizens. We have the great status of belonging. We're members of the same household. We've got the privilege of protection and to receive the promised provision. You're part of the family. You're part of the family. You're in the house. It's great. We're built on solid foundations of the apostle in Christ. Your life has substance. It has solid things underneath it. After Christ, we're being built together. We have people that we're traveling with. Please, church, don't travel alone. We're being built together. After Christ, it says we're dwelt by the Spirit. That that actually, if you're checking out Christianity or you're thinking about church... That it isn't just a crowd vibe here. That actually there's a supernatural presence. The Holy Spirit that comes and dwells in not only the gathering. But in our individual hearts. That He that he's there to show us that it's more than just normal input. There's the presence that we all have to understand is beyond us. It's Him. And He's here now. We are his temple. You see, being part of Christ and his family and his church offers you something stable and strong, resources to build your life upon. So here's, here's some key teaching just now. Just, just begin to drink this in, if you will. As you deepen your root into all what the church is, and into Christ actually, but into the church... It brings deeper stability into the rest of your life. It overflows into your career life, your family life. It begins to, you begin to say, you know what, I learned that there. That's what's modeled to me there. Christ is speaking to me there. Not just in our meetings, but as a part of church. Then he deepens your whole life. So it's really important for us as a church to get Rooted, 
to deepen, to become more stable, to not be two offenses away than walking out the door, but actually that you're saying, I'm rooted and established. You see, that's God's heart for you. Later on in Ephesians 3 verse 17, it says, So Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. And I want to ask you today, how rooted are you? What could easily blow your life off course? You know, I'm doing the illustration of the cards and As you can see, because my hands are shaking and all the rest of it, it's not going to work. Kathy and I, Kathy does most of our garden. People come around our house and they say, oh, wow, your garden looks great, Pastor Mark. And, you know, there's a temptation then to take all the credit. And I'm kind of quivering. Oh, well, no, Kathy does the most. I do two things. in, in In our marriage, actually, I'm often the person who carries things. You know, I pick things up for Kathy and carry things around. I cut the lawn and I do the heavy digging in the garden. And the other day, Kathy said to me, pa- uh, Pastor Mark, she doesn't call me Pastor Mark at home. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Mark, should we have cocoa now and go to bed? <laughs> we, we sit around and sing hymns all the time. I want you to know that. But the other day she said, Mark, we need to move our rhubarb over and we need to replant it in another place. It's gone wild. I couldn't believe it. I dug down and I'm, I don't know much about gardens, but this rhubarb root, it looked like an alien. It was so deep and a big bulb on the end. It went underneath next door's fence and it was infecting all of next door's plants. And so I was pulling, I was pulling plants up in next door's garden when I was trying to uproot our rhubarb. And it came out. It was huge. It got me thinking a little bit, actually, when I did that about how rooted are we. You know, how rooted is your life? What, what are you sinking down into? What's your life built on? Is it a house of cards? Things that are worth it need some investment. Whether that be a marriage, a job, a career. It needs investing in so it doesn't go stale. It's not different with the church. Even though it's a brilliant place to be a part of and we can enjoy things... It needs some investment. I just want to share really quickly with you today some key, four key drivers of how to put your roots down into church and make them deeper so that you can be all that you need to be, but actually so that this place and this group and this community can be everything that God wants to use it for, but also that it can just please Him. So let's put our roots down. First thing is, if you are going to place your roots down, you need to be open to equipping. Everybody turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And let me read you a passage uh, that's there. Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 11. It's It's a classic passage. It says this, 
So Christ himself gave the apostles, chapter 4, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, so that they could be star performers and do all the work themselves. That's not what it says. It says to equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ, his people, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And that we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Equipping, works of service, unity, maturity. Equipping, works of service, unity, maturity. Maturity. These are the four drivers that sink your roots into church. Let's carry on reading. Then when we have these things, we'll be rooted so that we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, we speak the truth in love. And we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. We become like him. And from him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. It grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You know, the first driver to dig us down into, into the church and into Christ is that you've got to have a posture of being open to receive. That actually you say, hey, I want to I know how to do some things better. God's given you a ministry and he's given you the ministry to equip you. It means that you have to keep a good relationship with leadership so that you can have an open posture to receive the equipping that they may bring. You need equipping so that you can function, so that it's not pastors that do the work of the church. They serve the church to equip the church. They're not there to do all the work. And please, I'm not complaining at all about my schedule. This is what the Bible says, that you're there to be equipped. I'm there to equip So the pastors don't do the work, but release people to do the work, and they get on and do other work. Hey, remember, we did a little bit of equipping last week. Does anybody remember? Prayer, care, share. If you're here for the first time, don't worry about it. You can can pick it up. Prayer, care, and share. Do you remember that, anybody? Please, make make me feel good that you were listening last week. You know, if you pray for lots of people, This is the equipping bit. If you'll pray for people, and if you'll care for people, you'll get opportunities to share. Can I share with you how to share? Okay, so you've prayed for people, you care for people, and then one of the things that you could do is say, do you know the the most famous verse in the Bible? Does anybody want to shout out to me what the most famous verse is in the Bible? John 3.16, are we all there? Hey, let's see if we know it, Okay. Quote it with me. Come on, everybody together. For God so loved the world. Louder. His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What a great verse that is. 
You already know it. You're equipped. And if you were here and you didn't know that verse, then you've heard it. First thing is, if you want to share, you say that this verse shows us a fact. It tells us an act, and it asks us to join in a pact. Now, I don't know what that is in Portuguese. It's probably facto, acto, and pacto, you know? <laughs> so if somebody's translating, see if you can get this, okay, or in Italian. It's uh, factissimo, actissimo, and pactissimo in Italian, which means a small thing, okay? I have no idea what I'm talking about right now. So let's get back to the equipping. It tells you a fact, act, and a pact. The fact is, God loves you. That's a fact. You see, in the world, lots of people, they, they kind of think that God's this angry grandfather up in the sky. It's a fact is that he actually loves you. He loves you. Hey, church, God loves you. It's a fact. It's not an opinion. It's a fact. God loves you. And then this verse shows you an act. God gave his son. He gave his son. He gave his son on the cross. And then if you'll enter into a pact, whoever believes, whoever believes will not perish. How are you going to react? You see, tomorrow at work, what you could do is you could say, hey, you know what? We learned about the most famous verse in the Bible. Do you know the most famous verse in the Bible? And people say, I'm not sure what I think the most famous verse in the Bible is. You could say, let me tell you the most famous verse in the Bible. And we learned three things about this verse. The fact, the act, and the pact. Isn't that simple? I've spent thousands on my education, and I'm boiling it all down to uh, teachings in three words. Is that okay, church? You see, I've said that just to say this. You have to be willing not to keep saying, oh, those things are cheesy. I could never do that. You have to say, you know what? I want to be equipped so that I can serve and do some things. You see, the first way that you dig into the church is you have an open posture that your life is not static Will you receive so your life can grow? Second key driver is this. I won't spend a long time on this, but did you notice that it says you're equipped to do works of service? That actually one of the key drivers to root you into the church is that you receive so that you can serve. But listen to this. As you serve, you build up the body from which you receive. From him, the whole body is joined and held together. uh, And every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. As you serve, you receive life. And as you give, you receive. It's like a divine interplay. Have you ever had this kind of uh, experience where you didn't want to do something, but when you did it, you felt much better after it? You know, that's kind of the principle that actually when you say, yeah, I'm going to serve, you receive life from serving. Now, we don't do it just for that, but that is actually what the Bible teaches. So, by thinking that you are giving or losing, by giving, you're receiving. So, I want to encourage you. I want to really encourage you 
to find a work of service that you do. Now, many of you serve at work. Many of you serving at home. But you need to find a place of service within God's house and within the church, but also in your street. Because as you serve, you receive. And we don't do it for that reason. Thirdly, if you're going to, re- if you're going to put your roots into church, what we need to do is understand that we need to live and walk in unity. Not uniformity, but unity. We connect together, and we are, the Bible says we are joined together. That's the clear teaching of the Bible. The Bible doesn't want a disconnected group of people who, uh, who just come for a meeting. The Bible's saying, I want you to be in relationship. I want you to be connected. You have to begin to share from within each other. There are three levels of unity. And unity is is really how you dig down into the church. And actually bring your life into a stable place. Some of you at work will understand some of the atmospheres and things at work. You will understand that disunity destroys lives. But in church, there are three levels of unity. The first is, is what we can call functioning unity. And it's, and it's a good teaching. It's like when you do your job, I can do my job. When you do your part, the whole works. That's called functioning unity. I think Paula brought us a teaching about car parts. You know, that there are many parts to a car. And when you put them all together, it all works. And that's what the Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians 12, 14. It says, Every, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And when every part does its work, then the whole thing works. You know, there's some people who say, I've never found a perfect church. And, and you know, one of the reasons why we haven't found a perfect church, because the church is being perfected, it's being shaped and molded, and it can't be totally shaped if there's somebody not doing it their part. I wonder if, in the functionality of the church, in the functioning place of the church, that if there's a part missing... And sometimes in a car power, the smallest part missing, it won't work. I wonder if you're not doing your part. I wonder if your part is missing and therefore the church isn't being perfected. And so I want to invite you to be a part to do your part, but that's functional unity, and we often teach on that, but can I take it a level deeper? There is a type of unity where we call it heart unity, where our hearts join, where you appreciate the journey and the story and the gifts and the the personality of another, and it makes you bigger on the inside because you've entered into their story. You've appreciated their story. You begin to say, your story has changed me. Now, it's more true in the first service, but in the first service, what we do, and we do it for theological reasons, not, com- what, not crowd management, and we do it a little bit in the second service. Have you noticed we rope off 
the, the sides and put cloths over the, the, uh, the chairs. That's not just because we want people to sit at the front. That's not the deal. The deal is we're trying to bring people together because unity is an important principle in the church. And we do it physically so that we can say, maybe they'll connect. Maybe they'll share a little bit of meet and greet if we bring them together a bit. You know, you don't probably know these people, but there's a very old couple in our church called Frank and Joan. And Frank and Joan always sit at the back. And actually, when I was here before they changed the chairs, they had easy armchairs there. And the only reason, and I'll tell you this is honest, the only reason that we've got chairs with arms at the back there is because we wanted to make sure that Frank and Joan had the arms on their chairs. They're very old people. They've been married for 60 years. But you see, Frank and Joan would come every week and move the barrier and sit at the back. But you see, I don't care about that because Frank, he fought in the, in the war. He was shot in the war. He fought for our country. His son died when he was 16. And he, so Frank knows when we say God gave his only son, Frank knows what that feels like. Joan knows what that feels like. And I know their story and I'm connected to their story. You know what? It's an honor for me to be in church with people like Frank and Joan. I don't care where they sit. It's an honor for me to do that. Of course, the people who just want to move the barriers and sit where they like because they want their space, I have no time for that. I shared with you a little story yesterday, uh, last week, about Ure and her worship experience when she lost her child. You see, there's something about heart unity in a church. We can't just be this city center thing. We have to connect hearts. We have to share stories. And I want to just invite you to share your story bit by bit. And maybe not with everybody, but but you begin to increase the circle of your friends so that we can be a church that has true unity from the heart. Because when we have true unity from the heart, God begins to move. It pleases Him. He loves it. You see, He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're in complete unity and they communicate all the time. They share heart, they share vision, they share revelation. And yet there's another level of unity. There's functioning unity where everybody does their part. There's heart unity where we share our story and our gifts. But then there's the unity of the Spirit. And we need unity in every church. Ephesians 4 verse 3 says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And this is the unity that asks, What is the Holy Spirit doing with each other? What does he want with each other? I will lay my agenda down so that, so that the Holy Spirit can move in my brother or in my sister. I will say, Holy Spirit, where are you taking me so that I can serve in a way so that I can bless other people? I lay my agenda down to where the Holy Spirit is taking us. I've served you in this way for a long time, Lord. But Lord, I sense you're doing something new, declares the Lord. And so I'm willing to flow with that new. Because God, I don't want to be out of step with the Spirit. 
You see, 1 Corinthians 12 says it like this. So there should be no divisions in the body. But rather the parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, then every part rejoices with it. We need to have spirit unity that says, Lord, what are you doing with each other? I'll just lay my agenda down so that your Holy Spirit can move. You see, a key driver is that you can receive equipping and that you're saying, God, upskill me. A key driver for, for rootedness in the church is that you will do your part and your work of service. But the real heart of God to get you rooted is that you begin to say, this is my spiritual home and I want to be in relationship with these people. Now, of course, you can't be in relationship with absolutely everybody. I've learned about 500 names. And then the parents come to me and say, do you not know the names of my children? I'm thinking, oh, give me a break. But you can begin to share your story and your heart. Last thing. You can be rooted when you decide that you are going to grow and become mature. That's what Ephesians 4 teaches. Until we all grow and become mature. Until we reach the unity of the faith and the measure of the fullness of Christ. Your growth and your involvement into the church will help root you and mature you as a person. And your maturity is really important to God. I don't want to get to my grave, and on my grave it says, Mark had lots of potential. How about you? When are we going to go up a level and say, You know what? Those things are behind me. And like Paul, I can say, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. But when I became a man, I put these things behind me. You can actually step in levels of maturity. You know, maturity is hard to define, isn't it? But here's, here's perhaps one way. You can define maturity by how long it takes you that when you hear God speaks to you or you learn something in the Bible, how long it takes you to obey it. If that's a short gap, you're more I've heard it, God's spoken it, I'm going to do it, Lord. I know this is pleasing to Him, I've heard a teaching on it, or I've received it in my spirit, I've heard it in prayer, God, I am yours, I'm going to do it. Of course, if that gap and that time gap is a long distance where God speaks to you, reading in the Bible, and then you're taking weeks and months to negotiate it, you're trying to bend the truth to you, that's a measure of how immature we are. I want to be a first responder, don't you? You know, another way of measuring maturity is if you can carry your own weight. Now, don't get me wrong. We all need help. We all need, you know, people to help us. I, I've got a brilliant team in, in BCC. And, you know, to be honest, BCC wouldn't, wouldn't last without those guys. 
and gals. But we, all, we always need to be dependent and interdependent on each other. I'm not saying that, but have you ever met those people who they kind of expect everybody to sweep up after them? Oh, it's going to ever so quiet in here. You know, that they expect that, that whatever they do in life, that there's going to be somebody there to make up the difference for them. I, I bought my Bear Grylls water bottle today. I went to the Bear Grylls adventure a couple of weeks ago. And, and so today I'm feeling all kind of manly and, you know, kind of, mm. I spilled it all over me now. I'm feeling great, you know. I mean, if a demon decided to walk in here, I'm taking him out first because I've got my Bear Grylls water bottle. I'm going to hit him with it. But, you know, I was at the Bear Grylls adventure and we did the obstacle course and all of that. And, but we walked around and we saw these two poles with a bar along. And it's got a timer behind it. And there was a challenge that says, if you can hang on the bar and hold your own weight for two minutes... We'll give you a goodie bag. I was thinking, man, I could, that's easy. I could do that. There's no problem. I mean, you might as well just give me the goodie bag now. It was like not a problem at all. I stood on there, and I knew in the first 10 seconds, <laughs> I wasn't going to make two minutes. I mean, as soon as I went, <clears throat> I went, oh, my Lord, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I hung on, and I hung on. Now, Paula is disputing with me. She said I lasted 45 seconds. Jake, you were there, I think. Was it longer than 45 seconds? And Jake's violence is enough. Okay. I thought I lasted a minute. 45 seconds out of the two minutes, I dropped off that bar. I couldn't hold my own weight for long. In life, there are people who do not carry their own load. They are always looking to someone to say, sort this out for me. Maturity is when you can carry your weight. Of course we're going to need help. Of course we're going to have to work together. Of course we don't have to be completely independent. But an immature attitude is, everybody's here for me. All the descriptions of the church are solid, stable, rooted, firm pictures. It doesn't come automatically. But you have to feed into it. You have to be strengthened into it. You have to open up to it. I'm going to ask the worship team just to come and maybe you'd stand with me. Because I wonder if we could receive some strength right now. You see, because becoming rooted people... When we are rooted, we'll be the sort of people who receive equipping and begin to say, Lord, let me be more effective in your kingdom. Let's stand together, shall we, folk? Rooted people will be the sort of people who say, what's my part, Lord? What work of service can I do? Rooted people will have a real commitment to relationship and to unity. Rooted people will be the people who say, my maturity is important. I want to go up to the next level. I'm going to let some things go and I'm going to start being the person 
that I've always meant to be. You see, as we become rooted into the church, you know, there's something amazing that happens. You know what happens? Because it's his family and it's his body. As you get rooted into church, you actually start becoming like Christ personally. You see, that's what the Bible teaches. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up and to become in respect to him mature or like him in every way. That is Christ, the head. See, what, what the Bible's teaching is as you root yourself down into church, you begin to become more like him. It's actually a bit of a flip-flop. It's a bit of, as you become like Christ, you become more deeper into church. As you become deeper into church, you become more like Christ. So I just want to plainly and honestly ask you today, would you put your roots down? Here at the start of this new season and in this city center church, would you begin to say, I want to get rooted and this is my home. This is my spiritual place of growth. This is a place for me. I want to get rooted not just in the physical building, but I want to get rooted with these people because God wants to use me with these people. I want to ask you plainly, put down your roots. Can I hear an amen, church? Because roots grow into shoots that grow into wings. You've heard a famous thing that said, Red Bull gives you wings. I want to say to you, the red blood of Jesus gives you wings. It's when you put your life down into his life and into his family that your life will start coming into great places. You see, amidst the busyness, the, the, the rootedness of church can be the thing that keeps you on the right track with God. You see, you've got to ask yourself, what drains me and what fills me? What priorities could I have? I know that you're busy, but you've got to be open to receive and to become rooted. So I just want to ask you, you see, I can look you in the eye and and can ask you because I know I love you. Would you stop being an in and out person? Get rooted. Would you be the person that says, you know what, I need to just get on with Jesus and his family. And God's going to sort out everything else. Do you know what I mean? We're going to do a corporate prayer. So some of you are new. You you can absent out of this. But if this is your family, would you just either lift a hand or hold your hand out in front of you with me? And would you just for a moment say, God, deepen my roots. Come on, say it. Just say it to yourself. Say it to God. Say it to your spirit. Make a declaration. Say, God, I don't want my life to be a house of cards. Deepen my roots. I know some of you have got financial issues and family issues, but if you will first put your roots into church, God is going to minister to those things. Holy Spirit, 
deepen my roots. Now here's something that is, this is a worship moment. So I don't want you to kind of break up and just visit, but I do want you to minister to somebody around you. I'd like you to turn to someone and I'd like you to say to them and and say it because you know what you've you've heard. God loves your story. Because listen, he, He cares about your story and we need to be able to have heart unity. Would you go and tell somebody, God loves your story. just one one last thing as we just raise our hands or hold them out in front of us Lord deepen this church Lord lots of pastors pray for expansion but God I just pray for rootedness because as roots get down fruit comes Lord I've loved worshipping with you today. You're my favourite church to be at. I love just being in worship with you. I would rather worship with you than any conference or anything I do. I love worshipping with my family. I love this church's worship. So let's just worship together in a few moments after we've sang a a prayer to music for a while. If you've got anything at all that you need your family to help you pray for, we're going to call you forward for prayer. But why don't we just worship as one family building our lives? Let's let's sing together. I will build.